Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Yeah. I love that cool. sound. Yeah. What do you got going on there? Nothing, just usual stuff. Uh, just is that running through your Kemper or through your... What, what are you running there? Uh, oh, that's through my Hughes and Kettner, actually. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds great. Are you running that amp into your... How, do you have an amp mic? I just run it direct. Direct. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got some sound coming out of my, my 212, so I can hear it here as well. Because it sounds obviously a little bit different coming through my studio speakers versus my four or my two twelve, right. um, so I'll run a little bit through the two twelve so I can hear it here. But it just runs direct. Everything I do is always run direct, so there's no bleed through. There's no issues ever. So you know I've got my vocal mic there that will catch a little bit of this. Yeah. Um, but my guitar track will be dead silent no matter what happens. So super cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, Steve, thanks for being here, my friend. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you. Guys, we're doing another blues guitar uh, live session for you today. And I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate everything you do for um, for for Guitar Zoom and for Steve. And hopefully today we're going to do something fun. We're doing uh, choosing the right jam track, which can be... Mm, Little, little daunting if you if you can't just grab any old thing, you might be off in the weeds. So Steve's going to help you uh, choose the right jam track today. If you'd like to learn how to do that and learn some blues tricks and tips and essential techniques, then keep watching. If you want to learn it even faster, why don't you check out Steve's new course? It's called Blues Guitar by Steve Stein, and it's available at GuitarZoom.com right now. Um, guys, hey, why don't you tell us where you're from? Steve and I always love to read where everybody's from, people from all over the world joining us at this particular time and place. Thanks for that. Uh, and also, if at any time you want to go back and watch some of the other ones, they're uh, all of the jam, oh, sorry, all of the blues guitar workshop series is going to be safe for you on a playlist at the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel. So just go there. To, to the uh, YouTube channel, click on playlists, and then it'll be Blues Guitar Workshop. There's a whole lot of videos there already for you, and um, they're all related to Steve's course, Blues Guitar. So that's kind of the resources we have available for you. All right, so let's get started. Steve, take it away, my friend. Okay, well, basically, what I want to do is just try and organize your thought process in practicing a little bit with a lot of the things that we've talked about in these last few sessions they all require time to practice. Like if you were learning how to play bending or you're learning how to play a, a blue shuffle or whatever it might be, 
grabbing a jam track right away isn't always the best move because sometimes you just need to spend some time in the environment of whatever it is you're trying to practice to really gain confidence and control in whatever it is that you're doing. And then the second step then is just to start figuring out how it works in the bigger picture. So a lot of times what I'll do is before I even worry about a jam track or a backing track or something is I'll just use um, a static chord or a static note or something like I might just play the note A and just try and practice a, an idea or maybe I'm you know trying to move from major to minor notice how on a whammy bar too on a floating tremolo if I do this it goes out of tune so um, you know, just anything like that where you just practice different things. And then when you're ready, what you do is you try and find a backing track that fits in the key that you're practicing in a tempo and a groove. Those are the three things, key, tempo, and groove that fits what you're trying to work on. Because oftentimes you'll find a track out there, maybe it's on YouTube, maybe it's through Guitar Zoom or whatever, and um, and you really like the track, but you start playing along and it's moving too fast or the chords are moving along too quickly or the chords you don't know or, you know, whatever the case may be. And what happens so often with players is that they just revert back to their old selves again because the situation they're finding themselves in isn't allowing them to be creative with the things that they're working on. So everything that they're working on just goes out the window and they're just back to Cro-Magnon, right? Caveman stuff where you're just doing the same thing you did before you ever started whatever this new journey is. Um, and so what I try and remind people is the first thing is just try and find something with minimal amounts of chords. Either no chord changes or very few chord changes. The chord changes are only serving the purpose if you're responding to the chords, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if you were just to sit and practice an A7, just that one chord. Now notice how I'm giving it a tempo and I'm giving it a groove, right? If I just took that one chord, I could try and practice whatever it is. You know, that I'm trying to work on. Right? The real reason why I'd want a four chord to come up is because I'm going to do something different with the four chord. Otherwise, the track itself, it, the, the chord isn't really serving any purpose. Now, it's okay if the jam track has a 12 bar blues and a one, four, five, but your focus is on the groove, for instance, and you're really just trying to focus on that groove. Well, this is my point of, of talking about this today is don't let the rest of it sway you then. If, if groove is what you're trying to work on and you're trying to work on a... whatever it might be, then don't let the rest of it throw you off and go, okay, well, I got to put a lick in here and whatever, because now you're practicing something else, mm -hmm. you see? So it's, it's so important that I just had a conversation with a friend of mine about this last night, how there's so many facets to play. He's a drummer, um, but there's so many facets to playing. And we find ourselves just uh, assuming that because we practice these things that when game time starts, all of this is going to work out. 
<laughs> learning how to play swing, for instance, requires time to learn how to play swing, to learn how to manipulate your fretboard in a swing feel. Just because you know some licks and just because you practice a scale doesn't mean your swing groove is going to be functional, right? So you got to make sure that, you know, if all of a sudden you find a track and it's swing, well, practicing whatever lick may or may not be functional at that point, you're going to have to practice the groove itself, you see? If the tempo is too fast, well, now half the stuff that you were doing isn't really going to work unless you've really got it dialed in. You're not going to be able to use a lot of the stuff because the tempo is too fast. So the more you minimize everything and then go, okay, my practice today is about this lick or this pattern or this groove or connecting from the first position to the second position, right? Whatever it might be, keep your focus until you've really manipulated whatever that is and then worry about the rest of it. So again, going back to what I was saying earlier, having the tempo be slower, understanding whether or not you're playing a straight or a swing groove is going to make all the difference in the world and what you're trying to do. And then minimizing the amount of chord changes. Because if you have a lot of chord changes, again, it's fine if you're, if you're completely disassociated to the chords and you're focusing on the groove, right? Or whatever. But the really the reason to have all those chord changes is you want to start responding to those chords, right? Mm -hmm. So if the one chord's up and you're thinking, here comes the four chord. And here comes the one chord. Here comes the five chord. Four chord, right? One. Right. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways that you can approach this, but I think people just get overwhelmed and they go, oh, crap. You know, I don't I don't really know what to do. And then they go back to. And again, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that all the rest of this really great stuff that you're trying to, you know, craft and culminate together, it, it doesn't work because the, the jam track that you're trying to grab isn't isn't fitting where you are. So I guess the whole point is, is that see where you are and find the track that matches what you're trying to cultivate as opposed to, well, that's a really cool track. I'm going to try and play over it. Oh, that's a really cool track. I'm going to try and play over it. And here's how you can tell is if every, every track that you try and play over sounds exactly the same, if your approach to everything is exactly the same, there might be something wrong because there should be subtle elements that change, whether it's a groove thing, whether it's an approach, scale choices, you know, licks, emphasis on, you know, phrasing, notes, whatever it might be. Something should change here and there. Unless, again, it's just the same style of music over and over and over. It literally the same style of music where I, again, I go back to metal because metal, you know, I love metal. Um, metal isn't five dimensional, though. When you say blues, blues can mean a lot of things. And I know I, I don't mean any disrespect to metal, but I'm saying metal is power. Metal isn't really about blues, right? right? Where blues, for instance, can be minor, can be major, it can be slow, it can be up-tempo, it can be, um, you know, ragtime. It can be all kinds of different things. And so your approach has to change a little bit depending on, on what you're doing. And again, that doesn't mean that metal, you don't choose different scales and you don't choose, of course you do. There's a million things that you can do with that too. 
And so the rule really would apply there as well. Something has got to be different. It can't just be the same thing every single time you play, especially if you're grabbing a rock track and a blues track and a metal track and a jazz track and a country track, and they're all the same thing. Well, now you really got a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you choose the right key? Like you see jam tracks and different keys and different beats per minute and those kinds of things. Well, there's two things that you can do. Number one, you, you obviously have to think about how you're trying to develop your fretboard. Because again, the all or nothing that we get in our brain, that, that thing that's saying, you got to learn everything. You have to be the smartest person <laughs> on the planet. You, most guitar players don't know all 12 keys exactly equally. Let's just be honest. I mean, you, you might play in the key of G more. You might play in the key of A more, the key of E or whatever. Something is your highlight. So if you were on stage and you're given a song to solo in and it's in B flat and you go, ah, it was okay. But then you get a song that's in G and you go, all right, this is my bread and butter. This is what I spend my time with. Everybody can, most people anyway, can define a key that works best for them. Right. Now, the nice thing is, is that there is software out there. I use a, a piece of software called Amazing Slowdowner. And there's many others that you could use, but that's what I use. And what I can do with Amazing Slowdowner is if it's a track that I've purchased, for instance, and I own on my computer, I can change the key to whatever key I want. Now, obviously, if I go way too far out, it's going to sound weird, right? I mean, if it's in the key of A and I'm trying to get to the key of E over there, it might sound really weird because everything's pitched so high up. But if it's in the key of A and I'm trying to switch it down to the key of G, it's going to sound just fine. The other thing that that software does is it slows down or speeds up the, the, the tempo. So I can mm. change it to whatever speed I want. And these are independent, right? So I can slow it down and, or change the key lower, but pitch it up. I mean, I can do whatever I want with it. So sometimes if I find a really good track that I really like, I might manipulate it a little bit to put it into a comfort zone that feels best for me. I really like that feel. It's just a little fast for what I'm trying to do. Well, I can slow it down, okay? And there's, you know, there's, I know there's a plugin on YouTube that you can get that does that, that slows it down. Um, I forget what it's called um, or changes the key. You can do those things. I used to, I actually made a video on, on the Steve Stein YouTube channel a long time ago about it, but I don't remember what it was called anymore. But so there's, there's different things that you can do. So you might find a track on YouTube that you really like and use that plugin, for instance, to change the key and to slow it down or something like that. Um, but again, my point is, is that don't just, and I'm not being negative here, just don't try and be a hero every time you have a jam track. Have a focus of what you're trying to work on, whether it's a, you know, it might be a meandering thing. You're trying to learn how to play across the fretboard, right? And that's your focus. So your focus isn't about landing on the right note at the right time, right? And your focus isn't this lick and this sequence or whatever. Your focus is the fretboard. Well, that's okay. You know, so you got to find a tempo that works really well for you to explore that fretboard. And of course, also be aware that if you start exploring and you hit a wall, might be a good time to shut that jam track off and go back to your fretboard and just start studying again to develop whatever that thing is. It's so important to learn to listen to your, your playing and what you seem like you're doing really well with and the things that you're lacking in and then shutting the, the whole machine down and then just working on whatever that is to develop it or mm -hmm. throw it out, right? I mean, it might be something that isn't working and it needs to go away. Maybe there's something else that fits in there better 
for you, right? You might find a really great lick and you're trying to play over something that sounds like Gary Moore, but you're trying to throw in an Ingve Malmsteen lick in harmonic minor going, well, this isn't working. Like that was one of my big hangups. I was a huge and still am a huge Ingve Malmsteen fan. But most of what I play isn't in harmonic minor. I don't spend a lot of time in harmonic minor. So learning a bunch of his stuff, I'm not saying it wasn't beneficial on maybe some different levels, but I wasn't able to directly integrate a lot of the things I was learning because it wasn't the kind of music that I tended to play. Mm. Not because I don't enjoy it. It's just the, the path of life I took with what I do with the guitar. Um, so there were other things that I could find that maybe fit into those sockets a little bit better of things that, that I might want to study a little bit more. And, um, if, if that kind of makes sense. So yeah. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but. If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step -step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to guitarzoom.com. Now back to the podcast. No, it's great. Uh, I do want to ask you about beats per minute. Uh, but mm -hmm. before I do that, guys, I want to thank you for being here. If you've, if you've joined us a little late here, no problem. Um, we're going to save this live session for you. It'll be on the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel in a nice playlist there called Blues Guitar Workshop. Uh, and if you want to make sure you don't miss any future sessions or get notification that we're going to be doing one of these live sessions, just go and subscribe and hit the notification button. Everything we're talking about today is related to choosing the right jam tracks um, for practicing your blues solos, uh, maybe jamming along with a blues rhythm, how to do that. Um, and all of the stuff that we've covered today and all of the videos and we've created for you and all these live sessions in the blues guitar workshop are related, related to Steve's new course. It's called blues guitar by Steve Stein. And it's everything you would want to learn about playing blues on the electric guitar. And it is available at guitarzoom.com in a very step-by-step -step A to Z format with professional transcriptions and jam tracks and the whole nine yards. So that's available at guitarzoom.com. Steve, I want to ask you about um, beats per minute. You know, you see jam tracks that says BPM at the end beats per minute and uh it can be confusing 60 beats per minute 120 beats per minute like how do you know like do, what what does that tell you as a guitar player when you look at it what information does that give you in, in choosing jam track well it depends on what you're working on you know like in a really simple way of thinking about it is if you were to set your metronome at let's say 100 beats per minute which means it's literally going to click 100 times in a minute that's what it means Okay. And then what you do is maybe you just try and play your pentatonic scale. So you're going like what I always tell people is think two per click. So you're going to play two notes per click. So if it's clicking here, you're going to play bum, 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 um, because it's important for you to get used to hearing that extra beat, which we call an eighth note. 
Okay. You, you have to learn how to feel that. So, you know, you don't want to set it here. I mean, you can, right? But at some point, the metronome is going to be ja, 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 ja. It's going to be so fast. And you're trying to play along with that. You've got to learn how to feel the subdivision, which we talked about before when we talked about rhythm. So if you set it at 100 and it's doing this and you're going bump, 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 a really good judge of tempo is, well, what are you trying to do? Let's say you're trying to meander, right? Can you play your scale at 100 beats per minute to per click? You know, or the second position or whatever, right? Whatever it might be. And then you start learning how to meander. Or you're working on a lick. You know, whatever my it whatever it is. So this is clicking, and you're trying to go ba da bump ba bump bum. That's your lick, or whatever it could be. You see. So this is the intuition that you develop is when 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 I'm going to play over something, and it's at 140 beats per minute. I know again, I I can't sit and define yes and no, but I know a lot of things that I can do at 140 and a lot of things that I can't do at 140 or how I'm going to approach it. But that has it has to do with the groove too. I mean, if it's a hard rock thing and it's a straight beat versus a swing, you know, it, it all changes. So the approach that I take to that particular solo, this is that very first conversation we had about tools. The very first thing we did in this session. Yep. It's preparation. You listen to what you're going to play over and you go, what do I know about this key? What do I know about this tempo? And what do I know about this groove? That's the first thing we talked about. Because now when I go to my guitar to play, those things are going to define what I can and cannot do at this point. So again, I need to be aware of what I can do. And I also need to be aware of what I can't do. So I can develop whatever that is if that's my choice, if that's what I want to do, so I can develop it. Maybe I develop it to, you know, 130 beats a minute and it feels really good. Or heck, maybe it goes to 170 beats per minute, right? The point is, is that, you know, when you hear like, like I love these fast country pickers. Now, I'm not a country picker at all, and I refuse to devote any of my time to a new style of music because I really do love what I do. But mm -hmm. I am very envious and love fast country picking. I, th I think it's just a great style of music. And they play very fast and they do all this stuff, right? Well, that stuff that they're doing, I can't, I've never studied it, but I guarantee you it's not all just happening out of the air, right? It's mm -hmm. things that they've practiced no. before that they've developed. It's, you know, doing it over and over and over. Um, just like we do in the metal world or the rock world when you're... You know, you're trying to develop a speed picking thing or something like that. At some point, you need to take that speed picking thing and go, okay, so how fast am I actually doing this? Like, if I was going to put this to a beat, how fast am I going? I mean, I can just practice. You know, I always use the analogy of when I was in, when I was in high school, I ran track. I was a sprinter. 
And when I got into college, I became a long distance runner and they're very different from each other. Mm. The muscles that you're, you're working and, and the, the mentality that you've got is so different from trying to run a 50 yard dash versus running for 15 miles. They're, they're not, they're not even in the same league, right? And if you're running sprints, a tenth of a second, even a hundredth of a second can make the difference between getting faster or not, winning or not, right? Sure. You don't know unless you know how fast you're going. So you don't know unless you know how fast you were doing something yesterday. You don't know whether you're improving this week or next week or anything like, or you might be getting worse, right? So that's why you get timed. That's why people time you and go, okay, this is what you got. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do to improve. So this gets into the conversation of, well, I don't want to be a speed player. I don't want to learn to play fast. That's fine. Whether you do or don't is entirely up to you, but you're still fighting the clock because if you, if you put a metronome at 100 beats or 120 beats per minute or whatever, right? And this is your quarter note. Well, this is your eighth note. This is your 16th note. You can't just play quarter notes forever. You can't just go, you know, your solo can't go. I mean, I suppose you can, but I, it's missing all those dynamics that we've talked about before. There's no, there's no dynamic happening. It's just the same thing. It's like Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. You can't do that, right? At some point you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to fall into that. Well, the song, is there, right? So if I could play it, that's great. That's I'm on the board, but I can't go perform it at that speed. Just got paid today, right? I mean, I've got to build it. And how do I do that? Well, that's where the practice comes in. I got to do it over and over and over and I got to figure out, well, how am I picking it? How am I fingering this thing? What's, what's working? What's not working? That's where the work is, you see? So once you've developed the meandering, you still got to learn licks and things like that to kind of attach coolness into the movements, mm-hmm. you know? That's where repetition, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that you like to do, that's where this stuff comes in. So. You know, it isn't for me, it's not about this conversation of shred versus not shred. You can do whatever you want. I love it all. I love every part of all of it. But you are, whether you like it or not, fighting a a, a clock, you know, right. a timer. Because if you're given 140 beats a minute, you can't just play quarter notes. You've got to do something more than that. Whether it's eighth notes, whether it's sixteenth notes. Again, I'm not saying you have to play sixty-fourth notes, but I you do have to do something that creates energy. Energy is created with excitement. Excitement is created through power, right? Through speed, that sort of thing. Um, and it again, what level that is is entirely up to you. I'm just saying that's how that works. And sometimes we don't want that excitement. We want to bring it down, right? But you know, I just know how my internal clock works as a human and everything for me can't be 40 beats a minute. It just can't be. I need energy. I need excitement 
as a human. Maybe somebody else doesn't, and that's totally fine. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, in all honesty, I mean, when I think of blues, like blues for me isn't just B.B. King, John Lee Hooker, you know, because of the age I am and the stuff I grew up listening to, be, you know, blues to me is, is maybe starts with Stevie Ray Vaughan and uh, ZZ Top and that sort of thing, but it very much goes into, you know, again, Gary Moore and Eric Johnson and uh, Joe Bonamassa and, you know, it, it, Richie Kotzen and like those are those and, I, and those may not even be blues players per se, but they give me what I need out of the music, which is dynamics. You know, sometimes it's really slow and mellow and then all of a sudden it'll get really exciting. So I have to develop those things because that's what I like. If I didn't play that way, I probably wouldn't be happy with myself, right? So it isn't about whether we agree on the kind of blues or the what what you know the the tactics that we're taking with practice. It's you figuring out what you like and what you want to be able to do and how to practice that properly. If that makes mm, sense, that makes a ton of sense, dude. That's a lot of wisdom. That's what it's about. You know, I I was talking to another guitar instructor about mindset and how important mindset is. It's not just about the things you're doing with your fingers and the practice routine that you've got. It's about your mindset and practicing the, the things that best fit you and what you're looking for. But you got to figure that out. And that's part of the journey. You know, it's not just the practice. It's figuring out what you want and how you're going to get there. That's a great, great analogy. Um, it is about the journey. And speaking of the journey, I do want to mention, uh, guys, that's the whole mission of Guitar Zoom is to help you in your guitar playing journey. Really, our mission is to help improve the lives of our students. I mean, that's really what we're around to do, if you think about it. If you're interested in guitar and that's your thing, um, the better you are, the more fun it is to play, the happier you are, really. I mean, because who wants, you know, when you first get your guitar and you're trying to learn the first few chords and get your right hand talking to your left hand and do the right kind of strumming and play your first song, it can be really frustrating. But then you get to a level where, you know, you can kind of do some stuff and then usually you kind of hit a brick wall or a rut or however you want to put it and uh, you, you desire more. Like how, what else can I do? How can I develop my own skills to become the guitar player that I want so I can be expressive the way that I want to be expressive, play the type of music I want to play, explore new musical genres and that type of thing. So in that, um, <clears throat> in that same uh, thought process, I'd like to share with you the resources that we have available to you. We have three YouTube channels. A lot of people don't even know that. We have the Steve Stein YouTube channel. We have the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel. And we have a Guitar Zoom Songs channel. Uh, you can check all of those out. There's, I think, approaching, I don't know, 1,800 videos or something like that, Steve, across these different channels now. Sure. There's a lot. There's a lot to keep you busy for a very long time. And on those channels, we have playlists. We try to really create some good playlists. So if you are interested in blues, you can go to the TarZoom channel and this entire playlist series that we're going to, or this entire series we're doing for you will be available in a playlist right there called the Blues Guitar Workshop. There's other workshops we've done. We've done acoustic. We've done uh, blues licks. We're going to be doing one on rock licks. I think we did a theory one. In fact, I know we did a theory one because I remember uh, I remember that. So anyway, there's three YouTube channels. There's also a podcast. It's cleverly titled the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. And really, it's it's the audio of a lot of the videos that we do for you. That's what it is. Um, and 
a lot of people like that because you know you're you're taking a walk around the block and you can't really look down at your video the whole time you can listen to it in your car you can take a a uh, jog or whatever. And you can kind of pick up on some tips and stuff. I mean, like a lot of the stuff we talked about today, Steve, you don't need to be watching a video to learn the stuff that you were talking about. No. Right? So that's why we created the podcast for you guys. That's available wherever you want to listen to podcast. It's called the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. We also have courses. Steve's created a life's library worth of um, courses and they're all available at guitarzoom.com. You can just go there and click on shop and we've categorized them by what you want to learn, where your skill set is. And we created a help me choose feature that we sat down with Steve and we said, okay, if this person is a beginner or they've been playing for a while and they're interested in this, it just takes you through a little quiz type thing and then recommends the course for you. Cause we got a lot of people are saying, Hey Steve, you got tons of courses. Where do I start? And that's the help me choose, um, quiz there. Also you'll find that at guitar zoom. We have three memberships. One is Play Songs, which is all about, it's a yearly membership. Um, there may be a monthly option. I can't remember, but I, it's very, very affordable. And you get instant access to all of um, Steve's videos and tab on how to play songs. And there's also the VIP membership, um, which is little bite-sized ch bite chunks of lessons each month that are like laser focused on one thing. So you're always making progress every month. And then there's the masterclass membership and that is access to all of Steve's masterclass level um, training. So those are the kind of, I would say resources that we have available for you to help you in your guitar playing journey. And as always, Steve, it's been a pleasure. I thank you so much. And I thank uh, all of you guys for joining us. Really appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. So thanks again for all your support. Steve? Yes. Anything else to add, my friend? No, I just, again, just stay positive and keep practicing. That's the most important thing. You know, I've, well, that's, that's it. I mean, I just want you to enjoy your journey. That's the whole thing. That's awesome. Sage advice. All right, Steve, thanks again. I will see you in the next session. All of you guys, thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. See you, Dan. Bye, guys. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Hey, Steve Stein from Guitar Zoom here. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, what we're going to be doing is looking at how to change up your standard 1-4-5 chords a little bit when you're playing blues to make them sound a little bit more interesting. Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun. 
If you'd like some help with your guitar playing but you're not sure how to get started, go to guitarzoom.com and look for the Help Me Choose survey. By answering a few simple questions, you'll get Steve's personal recommendation of the perfect course for you. All this and more is available for you at guitarzoom.com.